kick, punch, it's all in the mind. Get ready for the battle of a lifetime in this episode's game, Karate Champ. Again. Greetings, users and programs, and welcome to episode number 12 of Cactus Flax Podcast, the show in which I will be discussing all of the arcade cabinets I actually owned. I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's show, I will be covering Karate Champ, which was released in 1984 by Data East. Now, it has been a minute since I last recorded an episode of Cactus Flax, five years to be exact. So before I jump in with this episode's game, I'd like to take a second to get everyone back up to speed. In the early 1990s, when this was kind of an unusual thing to do, I bought an arcade game for my house. That caused me to catch the arcade bug, as they say, and that led me to buying another five or six machines, which I kept for a couple of years until I moved cross-country and had to part with my entire collection. I referred to that era as my first collection. A few years later, in the late 1990s, I moved back to Oklahoma and began what I unsurprisingly refer to as collection number two. Now, we've already covered all the games in my first collection on previous episodes, and we were just getting started with the second collection when I put the show on hold only a few months after starting it back in 2016. However, the people have spoken, and in 2022, I have decided to revive the show. I'm currently producing four weekly podcasts. Sprite Castle, my C64 game review podcast, releases on the first week of each month. On the second week of the month, I release You Don't Know Flack, a podcast in which I talk about old and new technology and occasionally things like tornadoes and ninjas. The third week of each month is reserved for Like a DOS. My new podcast in which I'm playing and reviewing classic DOS games released for the IBM PC. And that brings us to Cactus Flax, this show in which I will review the actual arcade cabinets that I have owned. Based on my spreadsheet, I believe there will be around 55 episodes of Cactus Flax. And I am reviewing the games in the chronological order that I purchased them. But honestly, I didn't take very good notes. And there were a lot of times when I purchased multiple machines the same day. So the order is as jumbled as my brain. And so we pick up the podcast where we left off with the 12th arcade game I ever owned, which was Karate Champ. As always, we'll kick the show off with a short review of the game, followed by my memories of the Karate Champ cabinet that I actually owned. Now, Karate Champ is a player-versus-player fighting game. In fact, it is the first player-versus-player fighting game. Some people call these versus fighting games or one-on-one fighting games. But Karate Champ was the first. It is not the first fighting game. There was one game that predates it, uh, released back in 1976, that 
does not appear to have been archived or saved. There's no video of that game, but occasionally uh, when people say Karate Champ is the first fighting game, someone will remind you that there was one before that. But for all intents and purposes, Karate Champ was the first uh, versus fighting game in which two players could fight each other. Now, the object of the game is to work your way through a series of 12 different locations. In the Japanese version, you are building towards a tournament, and in the U.S. release, you are fighting over girls. The control panel of the game is unique in that it has two joysticks per player and no buttons, except for, of course, player one and player two start buttons. There is a bezel that goes all the way around the machine that has a small card that lists all the moves. And, of course, all the moves are performed by moving the two joysticks in different directions. Uh, Some moves are performed with only one joystick. The actual cabinet itself is simply painted black. It is big and heavy. (laughs) There's not much more to say uh, about the actual cabinet. There are red, white, and blue striped artwork uh, that cover the control panel. That color scheme continues up onto the bezel. Uh, Again, on the bezel, you have those lists of all the moves for player one and player two. Uh, There are also pictures of the fighters. The marquee has a karate fighter, the uh, guy in a red gi, doing a flying kick. And then there is a blue arm that extends across the entire marquee who is throwing a punch. And it says karate champ with the word karate written in that stereotypical karate font that we're all familiar with. And underneath that, we have the Data East logo. Uh, The same kicking guy appears on the side art in a circle that below says Karate Champ. Now, uh, when researching this cabinet, I did find an alternative version of the cabinet, which is apparently a prototype. I found a YouTube video that goes way down the rabbit hole uh, researching this one particular cabinet. But uh, apparently Data East made a prototype cabinet in which the artwork around the bezel is not uh, blue, but red, and some of the colors on the game itself seem to have been swapped. And this cabinet would probably have been lost to time had it not been the machine that appears in the Jean Claude Van Damme movie Bloodsport. So in that movie, uh, when he checks into a hotel, he actually plays that cabinet. We get some quick shots of it, and you can see that the colors of the cabinet and of the game itself are not the same as the production version. However, uh, that ROM does not seem to exist, and there are no other pictures online of that cabinet other than the ones that came from the game. So a little bit of video game history there for you. Now, Uh, the company that is listed, there are of course, multiple, uh, companies behind every game, which is something I've found out from all my other podcasts. Uh, the game was manufactured by Nihon Busan. Uh, it was technically developed by Technos, 
Japan, which is an interesting trivia fact because Technos was also behind making Double Dragon, which is considered to be the first side-scrolling beat-em-up game. So not only did Technos program the first side-scrolling beat-em-up game, they also programmed the very first player-versus-player fighting game. Uh, but the company that is most commonly associated with Karate Champ is Data East, uh, who published the game. Now, there are multiple versions of Karate Champ. Uh, the very first version uh, in, was released in Japan, and it was called Karate Champ, and that version was one player only. So there are only two joysticks on the control panel, and one person has to fight against the CPU. Now, according to... Uh, the killer list of video games, or KLOV, that version was only released in Japan. Now, they released a second version of the cabinet. Uh, this is the player versus player uh, version, so there are two joysticks per player. The control panel now has four joysticks, and that version is called Karate Champ Player versus Player. Um, but in the U.S., this version is simply known as Karate Champ. <laughs> so several different versions. You have the one-player versus a computer version. You have the two-player version in which you can play against only the computer or another human being. A brief summary of the game's action. This is a mono versus mono karate combatants <laughs> battling it out tournament style. And what that means is that the action stops every time there is a successful hit. So each time you land a kick or a punch, the game pauses, a point is awarded, and then the action continues or restarts, I should say. Uh, the There's a judge who is the third person on the screen, and the judge will award your attacks either a half point or a full point. The first person to reach two full points in a match is the winner. The other way a match can end is if the timer runs out. There's a 30-second timer for each match, and at the end of that timer, if no one has reached two full points, whoever is ahead will win. Tie goes to the CPU, so you don't want to let the timer run out and have a tie score. When playing against the CPU, you must win two rounds to advance to the next level. If you lose any round at all, the game ends. If you're playing against another human being, it is a best two out of three, and winner stays, loser needs to dig in their pocket for another quarter. Uh, in between each round, there are also bonus levels. Uh, the bonus levels are different between the Japanese version of the game and the U.S. release. Uh, the, in the U.S. release, there are three different bonus levels. In the first one, the player must jump over or avoid being hit by flower pots that are being thrown at him at different levels from both sides of the screen. In the second bonus round, uh, you'll have to break boards, and uh, this is not, uh, it, it is only performed by hitting the joystick at the exact right time. The uh, Your karate fighter will be bouncing left and right across the screen, and only if you hit the joystick at the exact moment where he is in the closest position to the boards will you be able to break all 10 boards, otherwise you'll 
break some subset of those boards and not get as many bonus points. Uh, in the third bonus round, you will have to punch or kick a charging bull. In fact, three bulls come. So if you're able to knock out all three bulls, you will get a huge addition to your score. The controls of Karate Champ are one of the most unique things about the game. Again, each player has two four-way joysticks, and different moves are combined by moving the different joysticks in combinations of directions. Uh, each player on the actual bezel printed on the bezel is a grid system that explains each moves. So the left-hand side for player one, which is on the left uh, player one on the left-hand side of the grid, it shows all five positions of the joystick up, down, left, right, and then center. And the same across the top, it has the same grid, uh, up, down, left, right, and then in the center. And then you can look where those two things intersect and see what the moves are. Now, all moves for player two are reversed. The right hand and the left hand joystick controls are reversed because that player is moving from right to left. So if you look at the grid, you will see that all the moves are also reversed. So, uh, you know, to make it as simple as possible, if you are player one, which is on the left and you're going towards the right and you punch towards the, you know, press uh, just the right joystick to the right, you will throw a forward kick. But if you are on the right hand side, that would be the left joystick pressing towards the left. <laughs> uh, and so what gets really complicated in the game is if you flip over your opponent and uh, you'll be facing the wrong way, but there is a couple of different ways to turn around. And once you turn around, all your controls are also reversed. So uh, it's very difficult to switch from uh, the player one controls to the player two controls. And uh, that definitely gives you the home advantage if you're a person who actually owned the machine and you play a lot using player one, and when someone comes over to try to play player two and their controls are all reversed, it's uh, much more difficult to learn. Now, the graphics of this game at the time were considered to be outstanding. The characters were larger than a lot of people were used to. If you compare it to something like uh, the sprite size of Mario or Pac-Man, the two fighters at Karate Champ are very large. Uh, also, the judge has his own personality. Of course, we get a little bit of that with his voice. We get it. Uh, he's very detailed. He has a mustache and he has this shoulder length hair. And uh, um, the two fighters, their sprites are identical, except for one is wearing a red karate gi and the other one is wearing a white karate gi. So other than that, color swap, their graphics are the same. Uh, karate Champ uses a vertical monitor in standard resolution, which was not uncommon for a game released in 1984. The sound and music on this game is also pretty fantastic for 1984. We have music that contains uh, chords, uh, you know, multiple sounds going on. We have digitized audio. We have digitized speech from the judge and digitized grunts and, and, uh, and yells from the karate fighters and different types of sounds when they throw punches and kicks and when different types of attacks land. So the sound and the music on this game, very, very good for 1984. 
there are some differences between the one-player version and two-player version and the U.S. version versus the Japanese version when it comes to the audio. If you play the one-player version, you will notice that the judge's voice is much deeper and played slower. Uh, the two-player version is the one that I'm most familiar with and I think that most people are familiar with. Um, there is a version of the game in MAME called Karate Do uh, that has Japanese audio. And so uh, when instead of saying full point, half point, you'll hear the judge say those things uh, in Japanese. And the Japanese versus version is in a different area in MAME. It is not under the Master Karate Champ entry. It is a separate ROM, and it is called Taizen Karate Do, T-A-I-S-E-N. So if you want to check that out, that is the Japanese player versus player version, and it too has unique sounds. So uh, in fact, the music is uh, sounds a little bit different. So a lot of different uh, versions. Again, the player versus player US version is the one that I think most people, including myself, are most familiar with. When, you, when I hear those sounds, those are the ones that I associate with Karate Champ. Now, Karate Champ was a huge commercial success. It sold around 10,000 cabinets the first two months that it was available. And by the end of the year, it had sold 30,000 machines. It was listed as one of the most successful games of 1984. And it was the highest grossing arcade game of 1985. Uh, home versions of the game received a Diamond Award for selling more than 500,000 copies. Now, that is uh, across all platforms combined. IGN listed it in their top 10 most influential games of all time. And that's something that I really have to agree with because Karate Champ being that first player versus player fighting game, I mean, if there's no Karate Champ, there's no Mortal Kombat. There's no Tekken. There's no uh, Street Fighter 2. There's no none of those games. All of them can be traced back to Karate Champ. Now, of course, Karate Champ began its life as an arcade game. Uh, you can play it on MAME if you want to play the original. Uh, but it was also ported to the Apple II. It was ported to the Commodore 64, and it was ported to the Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, the NES version is probably the best conversion when it comes to the control system because you had a four-way D-pad and the two buttons, uh, the Apple II does a pretty good job and the Commodore 64 version is limited because the joystick only has one button. Uh, Karate Champ was released for the Wii Classic Console. It has appeared on the Nintendo Switch and on the PlayStation 4 store. It was re-released for the iPhone and the iPad, which were actually rewritten to look identical to the arcade version, but adapt touchscreen controls to be able to play the game. Uh, it also was released as one of those miniature arcade cabinets. I believe the brand is My Arcade. Uh, it is a micro arcade machine that looks just like the arcade version of Karate Champ. It sells for around $25 and does have two tiny little joysticks that you can play Karate Champ with. So that's fun.
Now, I had been playing Karate Champ for almost 20 years before I purchased my cabinet. Our local bowling alley had a Karate Champ machine, and my friend Jeff and I used to go there all the time because the bowling alley was located at the end of his neighborhood, and we would go there and play arcade games, and Karate Champ is one that we played every time we went there. It was one of the few games they had where two people could play at the same time, and so that made it very popular. Now, I had another friend named Justin who lived about 45 minutes away in a town called Norman, and uh, I used to go visit Justin, and Justin used to come visit me, but of course, when you're not old enough to drive, those visits don't happen as often as you would like, and around the time we both turned 16, we discovered this place called Malibu Grand Prix. Now, Malibu Grand Prix, which I think exists in uh, some variation or different iteration today. Uh, But Malibu Grand Prix was one of those places where you went to race go-karts and they had little kid go-karts. They had big boy go-karts and they also had an arcade. And we spent most of our time going to the arcade. Malibu Grand Prix was located almost exactly halfway between where I lived and where Justin lived. So we could go. uh, Each of us only had to drive halfway. It was also located right next to Crossroads Mall. So we could go spend a day at the mall, go hang out, uh, go to their arcade, go have lunch, go over to Malibu Grand Prix and play all the latest arcade games. Now, I purchased my game uh, off of eBay in 2003, and I specifically remember this purchase because I paid $500 for five arcade cabinets. It was listed on eBay. Uh, I don't remember what cabinet caught my attention on eBay, but in the pictures on the eBay auction, you could see there were multiple arcade games in the background and one of them was Karate Champ. And so I contacted the seller and I ended up going over to his house and he was moving. I remember that. And he had to get rid of these arcade games. And so I don't remember what, I know it's some of them, Uh, Some of the machines that were in that bundle were, but it was a situation where he was trying to get, uh, you know, $300 for one machine. And then he said, well, if you buy two, I'd give you two for 350. And then it was, I'd give you three for 400. And finally, at the end of our conversation, he said he would sell me all five games for $500, which broke down to being $100 per machine. And so I paid $100 for my karate uh, champ machine. Now the cabinet that my machine came in was not original. And this was pretty common with karate champ machines because they sold a lot of conversion kits. Uh, and I've looked those up there. You could still find those on eBay. I've got some prices that we'll talk about later on, but they sold these conversion kits that came with the control panel and the joysticks and a marquee and the side art. And so if operators had games that weren't earning money anymore, they could convert it easily to a karate champ machine. The cabinet that my machine came in was originally a dig dug cabinet that someone had simply painted black. And in fact, you could make out the dig dug artwork (laughs) in the right lighting underneath the black paint on the side of my cabinet. Now, 
when I got that machine home, and that was the one of that, that purchase of those five machines, I found that the controls on player two did not work. All the directions didn't work on all the joysticks. And so that was something I had to address later on. I could tell you the Dig Dug cabinets and the old Atari cabinets are specifically heavy. <laughs> they are heavier uh, than most of the other arcade cabinets I owned. If I had to estimate and say that a Nintendo cabinet weighed 75 or 80 pounds and uh, maybe, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of common ones. Like a, a Pac-Man cabinet might be between 80 and 100 pounds. I feel like these Atari cabinets were like 150 pounds. They were just super thick plywood. They were heavy duty. Uh, they were They were made to last. That's for sure. And that's why so many of those things are still around. So I specifically remember this game being very heavy, which is good for Karate Champ because you have two people uh, pulling joysticks and, and moving the cabinet <laughs> often violently. And so you want it to be in a heavy, solid cabinet that won't easily move around. Now, in the early days of buying and selling arcade games, I had a small pickup, and then I upgraded to a uh, larger pickup, a Chevy Avalanche, which I actually still own. <laughs> Gosh, how old is that truck? 15 years now. Uh, and my dad had a trailer with a ramp on the back, a 8-foot by 16-foot trailer uh, that made moving arcade games very convenient. So in the early days when I had that small, I had a small Nissan truck, and I would buy one game at a time and I would push it over and lay it on its side, which is not the best way to move an arcade game and drive it around in my little Nissan truck. But after I had the Chevy Avalanche and we got the trailer, I was able to move games standing up. And so I do remember that's how we moved this game along with those other four that I purchased. We rolled all five games up onto the trailer. I tied them down with uh, tie down straps and drove them across town. There are different theories and comments that I will probably repeat on many episodes, uh, but it always amazes me how close people are willing to follow a truck full of heavy equipment that has been strapped down. Uh, I think in our minds, we assume that people know what they're doing. And sometimes I find myself behind a truck that is piled full of trash or someone's uh, moving. You can see household items, bed frames and mattresses and furniture. And we tend to think that those people did a good job of tying those things down. But I can tell you that I didn't attend arcade strapped down class. <laughs> Nobody taught me how to do this. And there were multiple times where I strapped down games only to find that they had shifted greatly when I got home. I almost had one fall off of a trailer one time. And so I was always amazed that people would just drive behind me in five o'clock traffic. And I crossed my fingers many times hoping that I had wrapped <laughs> straps around and hooked things in enough places that one would not fall off and kill someone behind me on the interstate. Unfortunately, I have never lost a game like that, although I do know many people who have stories uh, about machines that have fallen off. I have a friend who sent me a picture one time of a Galaga machine that flew up and out of the rear of his pickup and smashed on the side of the interstate, and he just kept driving. <laughs> he was so worried that something might have hit a car. <laughs> 
Uh, so anyway, my memories of owning this particular machine. Well, first of all, when I first got it, I was the only person playing it. And so uh, the player one control system worked and the monitor worked and the game worked, everything worked. And so I just played it. I didn't do any repairs or work on it at all. But eventually I decided to try to fix the player two controls. And so the first step of that was to open up the machine and clean it out and see what was happening inside. And when I opened it up down at the bottom, I found tons of arcade tokens laying around in the bottom of the cabinet. And so as I began removing those arcade tokens and looking at them, I found that they were all Malibu Grand Prix tokens. And what that means is that this machine that I purchased in 2003 is the exact same machine <laughs> that my friend Justin and I used to play at Malibu Grand Prix in the late 80s and early 90s. That was such an exciting find. One of my favorite arcade things of all time is owning an arcade game, the exact same machine that I had previously played uh, as a teenager. I was so excited about that. Uh, and so I did invite Justin over, and we were able to play Karate Champ once again, on the same machine that we had played uh, in the late late 80s, early 90s in that era. Um, I did find that the leaf switches, uh, so there are two types of, of control systems for arcade buttons. There are leaf switches, which is an older technology, and there are micro switches, which is a newer technology. Leaf switches, uh, I'm not an expert. But in general, I would describe them as saying they operate by having two long, thin pieces of conductive metal that when you press the button down, it bends the two pieces and they come together and make contact. And on the other end of those two uh, leaf switches uh, or the two metal strips are wires that connect to you know the game's motherboard. And so that that's how it knows that you're pressing the button. A micro switch clicks just like a keyboard that has micro switches when you press the the button down five times you hear it click 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 like that and so uh definitely if you've played arcade games and paid attention you could tell the difference in the way that the buttons feel or sound whether or not they are leaf switches or micro switches uh, but what was interesting is that the joysticks were controlled by uh, leaf switches and they had all been soldered into place uh, with all the wires were hard soldered to them. So my buddy Jeff, who is my mad scientist go-to friend, helped me uh, desolder the leaf switches that were not working. Uh, some of them had to be replaced and some of them were able to be bent back into shape where they would, again, make contact. So uh, between all that, we were able to get player two working again. I should mention, I don't know if I've ever mentioned him on any of the podcasts before, uh, but there was a gentleman named Scott Stilfen. And Scott Stilfen, I think, uh, online comes off with a strong personality 
I think his personality is somewhat polarizing. I Googled his name recently. I saw that he had been banned from Twin Galaxies. That was one of the first uh, Google searches that came up. But I will tell you this. Scott Stilfen uh, was one of the major backbones behind all the interviews and reviews that used to appear on Digital Press. Scott did all kinds of work on that. He was also an arcade mastermind. If you ever went to one of the CGE, the Classic Gaming Expos, Scott was responsible for uh, getting the arcade set up and maintaining the arcade machines. And I had posted on Digital Press that I was having difficulty with my karate champ machine and Scott Stilfen mailed me a box. Um, I'm trying like imagine a box like those uh, boxes that copy paper used to come in like that size of a box with a lid that fit on it full of arcade buttons, arcade micro switches, leaf switches, a uh, couple of wiring harnesses. Uh, I mean the box itself probably weighs 20 pounds and he did not ask for shipping money. He didn't ask for any money. He just knew I was starting out in the hobby and mailed that to me. Um, and Scott Stilford was always very, very nice to me. And on the few times I asked him questions about repairing arcade games, he was always uh, very helpful. So I, when I see all these things online of people that he's uh, uh, had issues with or conflicts or whatever, that was never my experience. Scott was always very good to me and helped me out multiple times. And this was one of the, the times he mailed me the box, I believe, when I started working on this machine. And some of the leaf switches that he mailed me were the ones that went into my Karate Champ machine. Uh, so I had fixed the controls and everything was working. And what happens with arcade machines is that they never stay working. <laughs> It's always just a matter of time before something happens. Either the oh, power supply goes out or the buttons stop working or joysticks stop working or the lights behind the marquee stop working or whatever it is. There's always something. They never just work forever. Uh, or capacitors go out. Uh, their monitor issues are always a huge thing. And what happened with my Karate Champ machine was I turned it on one day and all of the graphics, the player graphics, had lines through them. So almost imagine, like, you know how you can put these artificial scan lines now on emulators? It was like that, except for every other line was missing. And so uh, I poked around on some video chips. I checked my voltage. I did all the basic, like, kindergartner troubleshooting stuff, which was all I could ever do for arcade games. And, uh, I eventually, I mean, I had, you know, people offer me advice and how and things I could test chips I could pull and remove and this and that. But what I found out at the time was that I could get a working tested, working, good karate champ PCB on eBay at that time for $20. And so I ordered a new PCB and then once it arrived, I swapped them out. It fixed everything. It worked great. I took pictures of the bad one and of the graphics uh, issue that the bad one was having. And I posted it on eBay and I sold it for 15 <laughs> I mean, I, I, it wasn't uh, deceiving anybody. I put in the ad, hey, this is a Karate Champ board. It works. It has an issue with the graphics. Here's what the graphics look like. And maybe it was a, a easy uh, solution for somebody. You know, maybe they were able to. 
you know, fix some soldering like a bad trace or reseed a chip. I don't, I don't know what was wrong with it, but for me, it was totally worth it to pay $5 basically and swap out with a new board that worked great. Um, my monitor had some burn in, I think most karate champ games had burn in on the monitor just because it sat at the, at the uh, same screens, uh, for so long, but that never bothered me. It looked like every other karate champ machine I ever played. So, uh, I don't have any specific notes about when I sold it or how much I sold it for. I do know that it was one of the games that I held on to until the very end uh, the house that we mo- ended up moving into had no room for arcade games. It didn't have a spot in the back where I could put an arcade. It didn't have a spot inside the house where I could put arcade machines. I had room for one machine in the house. That was all I was able to get away with. And so, uh, you know, at the very end, I moved what machines I just in my heart couldn't get rid of. And moved them into a storage container, and I paid for the storage container, I think, for three months, and then just finally had to let him go. And so I eventually sold it. Uh, I don't think it's one that I sold to Arcadia, because they already had a Karate Champ. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I just don't have any memory. I almost feel like maybe it was traumatic, and I blocked it out. <laughs> Um, if you look up, I use Exidy's arcade price guide, which if you Google Exidy, just like the arcade company, E X I D Y, uh, his arcade price guide says that a current complete machine in working order should sell for between 500 and $750. I checked eBay and I looked for completed auctions in the last two Karate Champ arcade games that I saw that sold one went for seven ninety five, the other went for nine ninety five. So uh, in the range of Exidy's price guide, maybe a little higher. Uh, there was a lot of speculation that COVID would drive prices down of arcade games, but it seems uh, that it has done the opposite. That it has added a little bit of value as people have been staying home for their entertainment over the past few years. And arcade games have done nothing but climb uh, in value, especially since I own them. Again, I paid a hundred dollars for my machine. That would be unheard of today, uh, for buying a, a working karate champ machine. Uh, also on eBay, I found working PCB that sold for $120. I saw some that are, uh, available for sale right now between 150 and $200. So again, you know, I paid $20 for a working motherboard. So, uh, that has definitely changed over time. I also saw a complete kit. So this would be what a vendor or a, uh, operator would purchase to convert another arcade game into karate champ. So this is a kit that comes with the side art. It comes with a PCB. It comes with the control panel overlay and the joysticks. I think it comes with a marquee. Uh, and that is currently for sale on eBay right now for two forty five. So those are just some ballpark prices. Uh, Karate Champ is a lot of people's favorite old fighting game. A lot of people have uh, that grew up in that golden age of arcade games have good memories of Karate Champ, and so it has largely retained its value. Would I buy this game again if I were? purchasing arcade games. I feel like I might, I feel like I, I mean, I love karate champ. 
I grew up playing Karate Champ. I'm so familiar with the Karate Champ controls, the two joystick system. The only thing that might stop me from buying it is I don't know. This comes from a place in my heart of being a people pleaser. I should want to buy the arcade games that I love. And Karate Champ is a game that I love. But I would also take into consideration people visiting who would also might want to play arcade games. And for that reason, I might consider buying a Street Fighter 2 machine instead or a Mortal Kombat uh, machine instead. I think those... Obviously, there, there's. I don't want to say those games are easier. They're not easier. In fact, uh, there's an entire science about combos and juggling and attacks and defending and all those sorts of things uh, that, especially Street Fighter Two. But, but I think you could walk up to a Mortal Kombat cabinet and just press, you know, punch, 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 and, and you know, learn how to do low sweep and two or three different things, and and you can have fun playing that game. Uh, Karate Champ, until you learn the combo system with the two joysticks, is not fun. It's frustrating. Uh, and so it has a, a higher level of entry to be able to play it. So for that reason only, I might go with one of those other fighting games. But if it was, if it was strictly for me, I would definitely own Karate Champ again. Uh, my final thoughts about Karate Champ. Well, I would have to say, again, this is one of the two arcade cabinets that I do regret selling. This and my 720 cabinet are ones that I wish I had found a way to hang on to. Uh, two of my favorite games and two cabinets that were just in stellar condition. So, uh, yeah, I wish I had hung on to it. Again, not just because it's a great game, but also because of that lineage that I knew that this was a machine that I had previously played on. And I know that I will never find this machine again. So, uh, that's really karate champ in one big punch to the mouth. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cactus Flax. Don't forget, new episodes of Cactus Flax are released the fourth week of each month. The next episode will be X-Men, so come back for that episode. You can find all my podcasts, including previous episodes of Cactus Flax, at podcast.robohara.com, and you can subscribe to the show through iTunes or the Amigos Retro Gaming feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. If you would like to see pictures of my old arcade machines, go to robohara.com forward slash arcade to experience a very outdated web experience. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at robohara at robohara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. To support my podcast, visit my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. All of my patrons get access to behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly rando Rob videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. Support starts at just $4 a month. That's $1 per show. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara.
Last but certainly not least, here is a very special shout out to all of my Patreon supporters. For the month of February 2022, this includes Alan Hennessy, Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Brian Barr, Carrie Clanton, Chris Folds, C Dubs, Cowbird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavey, Dave Velociraptor, David Hearn, David Modelat, Eric Stryanisi, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Hacker Radio, Jake Nonamaker, Jason Warrens, John Bodakar Schaller, John Treholt, Jose Cazada, Joshua Ekroth, Louis Dorenfeld, Mark Alley, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Mr. Wacky, Nathan Dagenhart, Olaf Hope, Patrick Markey, Rad Max, Rydar and Christopher Bow, Retro Trace, Rick Reynolds, Robot Doctor 82, Roy Jacobs, Scooter Prime, Scott Lambert, Scott Meredith, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, The Slow Norris, Travis Gossie, Zeke Pabsky, Zerfall, and the mysterious Cobra Kai. Extra special thanks to my 16-bit supporters, Bill Spear, Boatshead Tavern BBS, Dan Creek, Dave Zilly, Edward Smith, Graham W. Vebke, John Morrison, Matt Nicholson, Matt Smith, Scott Van Drasic, Steve Sharippa, and Vintage Volts. <laughs> 